This episode is brought to you by the Fuller Youth Institute online store. You can find books like Growing Young and Curriculum like our Can I Ask That series. Our store is the exclusive place to find Faith in an Anxious World, which is a four-week curriculum that will empower you with language and tools to talk about anxiety with your students. Get $5 off on a purchase of $20 or more when you use the discount code FYIPODCAST at fulleryouthinstitute.org slash store. Hi everyone, this is the FYI on Youth Ministry. In this podcast, the FYI team explores groundbreaking research, fresh ideas, and diverse stories. The topic for this season is your team. Yes, your volunteers, but also your senior pastors, parents, and even the teenagers themselves. Our hosts are Aaron Samuel and Kat Armas, and our guest is Chuck Hunt. If you've been listening, you'll know that Chuck was our guest back in episode 5, which is all about volunteers. If you missed it, feel free to check it out sometime. We'll put a link to it in the show notes page. In today's episode, though, Chuck gets really practical about recruiting diverse volunteers and supporting your team during the pandemic. Our jobs changed immensely as soon as COVID hit. For however your ministry is doing, whether you're able to gather kids or you're not able to gather kids, and it's really hard, God is still at work. First, let's hear more of what young people had to say when we asked them about today's topic, volunteers. Okay, this is about volunteers. Can you tell me about a volunteer that really stands out to you? Um, I remember um, at Derek and Laura, we'd all, almost always get lunch and then and, and then talk and do games afterwards. So those were, that, that was pretty memorable. What makes a good volunteer? I mean, I've been to like two youth groups and like both kinds of youth groups. Like it takes a different kind of person for both, but either way, they've got to love kids because otherwise it's like kind of obvious that they don't. Like I've never had youth pastors like that, but I've had teachers like that and it doesn't end up good for anyone. Okay. Do you think you will volunteer when you're older? I would volunteer because I feel like Everybody should do something for the church to help. Hey everyone, my name is Kat Armas, Multicultural Project Assistant at FYI. And I'm Erin Samuel. I'm also a Multicultural Project Assistant at FYI. And welcome back to continue the conversation about volunteers. Chuck Hunt is the Associate Pastor to Family Ministry at Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena. He had some really good advice and perspective on these topics, uh, particularly volunteers. Uh, He has tips for recruiting intergenerational volunteers, why you should recruit people who have different gifts from you, Mm. and how this reflects the kingdom of God. Mm. We also chat about connecting with local leaders with different socioeconomic or cultural backgrounds, and how to help volunteers say goodbye well. Yes, the last conversation was so great. I can't wait to get into this one. Me neither. So let's get to it. Chuck has been ministering to youth and their families for over 25 years. He's a Fuller grad and has been a longtime friend and collaborator to our team here at FYI. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. So appreciate it, Kat. Thanks. Do you have any tips for recruiting intergenerational volunteers? Yeah. 
Um, we have uh, this cool little device in our pocket called a phone <laughs> that we rarely use to call people. <laughs> um, right. And I think the I think there's the the idea that have conversations with people who are intergenerational. Um, and, you know, that could mean parents, that could mean, you know, elder adults, um, but have those conversations and invite them into the places where they don't feel like they're useful anymore, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a huge, that's a huge thing for adults that are going through their own issues in their life to be invited into those um, into those moments. So yeah, you're the only, you're only one person. So I you know I'm not expecting you to make all the phone calls, but I think the phone is a really important device. The other way is make yourself available to people in a way that is personable. Mm. Right now in COVID, it's really hard, right? So we've got this yeah. whole, you know, everybody's on Zoom, everybody's connecting over their screens and in, in places that um, are digital. Um, when we're out of that, how do we connect and make ourselves available in places that are um, that are analog, right? How, that are that are mm-hmm. that are tactile, that are that are connective. Making ourselves available so that people can connect with us, and we're not just available um, on our social media because that's our social presence, right? Um, right? So, what does that look like on a Sunday morning, or on a Tuesday afternoon, or a Tuesday morning to make yourself available for coffee for parents, or or or, or to connect with with older people? Invite yourself to teach at in adult in your adult ministries classes or in other places where you normally wouldn't think to, to do that. Carry your vision in front of people um, so that they can grasp that. One of the stories that I had from being able to pull that off was one of the times that I was dealing with our ushers, right? Our welcome team at a church um, was asking for students to come and do that. And I said, I'll encourage students to come if you meet with me first. And so we met and we talked about how it was going to happen. I said, I want everybody on your team to have this same vision that when there's a student there, you're not just teaching them about what you're doing, about handing out things, saying hi to folks, encouraging them and empowering them to get to the welcome center, right? Mm-hmm. But you're and you're asking them about who they are mm-hmm. and you're invested in their lives and because it it doesn't it doesn't help us broadly speaking just to have them handing out bulletins or making sure people get to one place to the other right. and filling a, a seat right they need to know that they're cared for and that leader was like unbelievable i never thought about that mm. and it completely changed that ministry and we had kids all the time that were like i want to go serve in bill's ministry because bill is amazing and all of his staff like knows that so mm. those are the moments that we've got to engage other people and carry the vision that we have our church is going to care for people yeah that's so good do you have any specific tips for new youth leaders um, who may not be connected to many people in the church or in the community yet yeah, so um, you have a wealth of information with the people who are already serving in your ministry. You have to talk to them. You have to ask the questions of who has been a part of this ministry? Who do you think will be a part of this ministry? What do you see as important pieces to this to this ministry? And who and who needs to come alongside of that? Um, I think that's one piece um, for new youth leaders. Um, I think one of the things that we we say is you've got to know yourself. 
Um, you're creating a team um, of people around you that are not you um, and don't have your giftedness, don't have your responsibility, and that you've got to fill in the, in the voids. Just had, literally just had this conversation with one of our leaders this week. I tend to live in the forty to 60,000 foot level of vision. I love that big picture kind of space. Mm-hmm. And the person who I have working with us on our ministry team, on our on our elected ministry team, is a is a ground level, how are we getting this done person? And we, you know, there are moments where it's a little hard because we talk past each other. Right. But we we literally sat there today and uh, two days ago and said, "Man, this is so great because I need your 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 perspective in my way of thinking." And it was vice versa. And so we so that type of reality is to say, bring someone in who's not you and ask them what they see in your ministry um, that that could be better, could be different, um, and really and really hear. Um, which requires the third piece of that is that you got to be you got to be humble. <laughs> um, I didn't know I didn't know everything until you know like seven years into ministry, right? And then I was like, oh, I had a long way to go, right. uh, and I and I was able to back off. And in those times, I made some huge mistakes with people. Um, and you've got to be able to go back and say, I really blew it with a group of folks or with an individual, and. Um, you know, they, they didn't, they, they, they left ministry because of something I did shoot, Mm. you know, I wasn't caring enough or I thought I knew everything or I just wasn't listening. Um, man, those are the moments I look back on and I think, ah, I wish I could get that one back, but you live and you grow and you, 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 you come to those places where you're a little bit more smart than you used to, or at least hopefully you are. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a journey of learning and growing for those that we're discipling and even for ourselves within that so you mentioned the importance of diversity, essentially, right? Differences in thought and differences in, in, yeah, just the way that you understand and see the world. And so with that, how important is it that our youth staff and volunteers reflect our students and our neighborhoods um, culturally, ethnically, socioeconomically? What do you, how, how do you, um, yeah, how important is that to, to youth staff? I, um, I want to shift that a little bit. I don't think that it's important that your youth ministry or your ministries in general reflect the culture of your neighborhood. I think that it's important that they reflect the culture of the kingdom of God. And so as long as you are in ministry, you need to be inviting diverse voices. You need to be inviting diverse peoples into homogenous ministries in order to create the reality that we know is true in our kingdom, right? In God's kingdom, he's calling us to this diverse place. And so even if in, you're in a homogenous community, you're like, well, okay, great. You know, my, my community is 95% white and I'm, I'm good. I've got, you know, 95% white, you know. Okay, mm-hmm. how about we increase that diversity for the sake of the students that are sitting there going, wait a second, this isn't the way that God's kingdom really is, right? Um, right. I think... Uh, you know, for multi-ethnic churches, um, uh, absolutely, you've got to be doing that. For the sake of having an understanding of what it looks like to be in relationship with different people, you're going to be, our students are going to be, and I think the hope is that um, when you're inviting folks into that type of conversation, that type of place, that you're inviting them to meet Jesus. So your leaders are in, invite, being invited to meet Jesus. They're in, 
invited to meet Jesus in community, and they're invited to partner and give away ministry in such a way that it's understood that they're going to do things differently, right? If we just say, hey, here's what it is, and you've got to go do this, and you have to, you know, execute in this particular way, um, I think some of our own small groups uh, at Lake wouldn't wouldn't exist in that way. We've got to give them the freedom to to kind of task them to do it in in the way that they see fit. When I was growing up, um, uh, I went to a, a majority white church, and um, I never saw anyone who was African American in leadership. Never, mm-hmm. and it was really uh, it was really difficult for me to ask questions that were in my heart um, right. about that to, to youth leaders. And when I did, the, the answers were unsatisfactory, to say the least, if not hurtful um, in some places. And so um, we've got to be able to invite people that, that are able to speak a different vision of the gospel from a different perspective of the gospel to people in our church. Amen to that. So how have you worked towards that in your personal ministry? Um, every single church that I've worked at, um, I have looked for connections with churches and or leaders that do not that do not share the same uh, socioeconomic background and or ethnic background. So even in our in that first interim church, four four months in, I connected with an African American church that was just down the road, and I said, "Hey, can we do something together?" Um, I didn't mm. I didn't see a way to gather the leaders into that space, but I saw a connection in churches so that we were able to be in that place together. When um, I was at a at an inner city church, we were kind of on the border of a gang territory, and so. I walked the streets in that in that space and just invited the gang members to be quite honest to kind of be looking out for our kids, right? Um, which was which was problematic in some places, but it was also a way to say, hey, you're a part of what's going on in this in this in this area. You know, please look out, right? And that was that wasn't a that wasn't an invitation for them to be ministers in that place. It was it was an invitation for them to not use that as a way to say, hey, let's go pick on those kids. Right, uh, but engaging the community is what what I'm talking about is really trying to engage the community that's around you, regardless of what that looks like, and inviting them to be a part of that ministry in in, in small and significant ways. I think you've got to go out of your way as well. Um, mm-hmm. If that's if that's a priority in your ministry, and not just something that you put on top of your, you know, oh, we're we're a diverse church, or we're a multi ethnic church, or you know, you you've got to prioritize that, and you've got to ask the questions of. Where are the people that are going to connect? And um, you've got to invite those those um, those people into ministry. Um, one of the ways that I've done that really well is said, you know, there are plenty of organizations in communities that are um, affinity groups. So in, in the previous church, there was a, uh, an African American organization, a fraternity that was in the in the area. And I, I asked them, I said, hey, who are some folks around here that would be interested in engaging our church for the sake of, of caring for these students? Those are the ways that you can, you can engage, but you have to be intentional. You have to look outside the box um, and start to ask questions in ways that you normally wouldn't have. Because I think we, we get myopic about like, Oh, we just put something in the bulletin, and we're hoping to people that you know come and show up, or they sign up, or you know we put something on the website, or we have that phone conversation. But you really have to go beyond the place of you know, hey, here here are our people, you know, let's just deal with them. You've got to go beyond that. Mm-hmm. I love how you have, um, or you're 
sort of arguing for this like holistic vision of, you know, place, people, community, you know, like we're all interconnected, right? It's not just like my church exists here and this is, but the community is a part of it, right? Whether they attend or not, they're still part of the grander community. And so I love that it's, it's almost like a, a, a zoomed out vision. I mean, you said you're a, zo- you're a person that likes to you know, yeah. look at things zoomed out. Even when I'm sort of doing theology, I always think wh- from the where of where I'm doing it and from there is where it expands, right? It has to be from the where and what's around and the community. And, and I mean, it, it really is an interconnected sort of you know, vision. Um, and so I really love that. Yeah, I really love how you, you know, invited people that don't go to the church. Hey, look out for the, these kids because we're all in this together, right? We're all here together, existing um, oh, together. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, well, and I see it in Jesus, right? Like that's what right. Jesus's ministry was, you know? He's connecting with people from different cities. Now, you know, Jesus's particular ministry obviously is moving towards um, creating access to the Father for, you know, for us, right? Um, but but along the way, he invites these random people to look out for his people, which is right. which is mind blowing and so great because it's not the normal folks that were um, supposed to be connected to God, right? right? It was these people that had a heart and had empathy and compassion, and you never know where you're going to find those folks. And most yeah. of the time, they're not sitting in your pews. Um, and that's the glorious nature of the church, right? Like we're not talking about churches. We're talking about the glorious nature of the church in your community. And how do you find that church? You've got to get out there and you just start to, you start to connect with people and encourage yeah. people and empower people. So, Yeah. That reminds me of one of my favorite um, parables in Jesus when he, t- you know, when he talks about going and inviting people to the banquet and the people that are supposed to come don't come. So he says, okay, go to the alleyways and in there, and those people come, you know, and it's sort of that alleyway, like yep. they're, you know, in the alleys, like that's yep. where, you know, that's where they're at. Absolutely. So that's Love really it. good. So as we think about partnering with volunteers, not just managing them, how do you invite your volunteers to really be invested in the ministry. Um, can you share an example of that? Yeah. So one of the, um, one of the ways is that space of creating space for them to lean in. Right. Um, right. I know uh, there are moments where I frustrate my staff and my volunteers when I say, okay, so we're going to, we're going to think about this and I, there's nothing on a piece of paper, things I could have done, right. I could have, mm-hmm. I could have created the process. I could have created the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the vision statement. I could have created all of that in order to be more efficient, but I really want to invite people into that time of dreaming and thinking about how are we going to pull this off? And there have been more times in those type of moments that I've been surprised about what comes out of those moments and how bought in my staff is or my leaders are when we give them the freedom to dream. Like it's, this isn't planned out. This isn't all good, right? Like this isn't all perfectly squared away right now. Um, and I think those are the type of moments that we create for people to, to engage. I think that's, that's one way, right? Like create space in, in, in time. I think there's other places where we've got to give our ministry away and when we give that ministry away, I mean the stuff that you hold on to as well, right? Like, uh, you know, I've been tasked with, you know, creating a, a, a letter for our, for our parents. Okay, great. I, I write that letter every week. But I have staff and volunteers who have stuff to say as well. So why don't I invite them to be a part of that as well? Obviously, that's that's my job. I'm supposed to do that, and I do that more often than not. 
but I'm also inviting other people to use their voices in that space as well. So you amplify the voices of other people around you. And I think we're learning a lot about that and saying, you know, how do we, how do we give this the person who's learning a lot uh, a way and a means to express what they're learning in front of people. Um, and what we learn and what we teach a lot is that people learn a lot when they're able to teach, when they're able to speak, when they're able to communicate those things really well. Uh, you know, the, the other thing I would say is volunteers need to know that it's okay to fail. And the best way that I have done that is the moments where I'm able to point to or fail in front of them. Um, not on purpose, but it happens right. off enough in my life where I need to be able to, to take that and lift that up and say, look, I didn't do this one perfect. And you know what? I'm not expecting you to be perfect either. What I want you to do is listen for the Holy Spirit. Jump on where you think the Holy Spirit's going. And if you, and if you trip along the way, that's fine. God's not asking for perfection. He's asking for your heart and your whole heart and what you do. And so as long as we can say, like, look, I'm not asking for this to be perfect, right? Like, bring all the humans home safely, right? Like, that's, that's number one. But beyond that, like, let's go have fun with them. Let's try some stuff. Let's, let's engage some things. And, and, I, and I think right now in our current context, man, it is a moment to try some things that you have never even thought about. And you, like, the dreaming out there is so so exciting about what other people are thinking about for youth ministry. I think we've been doing ministry in one particular way for so long. Like this is a moment to gather your volunteers together and go, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? Help us do this so that we can connect to kids and make sure that kids are, are following Jesus in a new and, and engaging way. Yeah, so good. So I'm curious about sort of, uh, I guess, on the other end of that or, or the transitioning out process. Um, how do you help students and volunteers transition well when a volunteer stops volunteering? I think there's three parts really important that I don't think churches do well. I, and, I, you know, even having knowing this, I, I try to do it as well as I possibly can. And, and, and there are moments and, and circumstances that don't connect, right? Number one, we've got to communicate really well what's happening with our staff, what are with our leaders as best we possibly can in the moments that we can, we've got to communicate what's happening. And we've got to communicate that as early as we possibly can. I think there's this sense that I've been a part of um, many moments where we've said, all right, so we're going to communicate that this person is leaving and they're going to be gone in two weeks. And that's it, man, that's really painful. Yeah, We live out our faith and our lives in front of and with students, right? Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. No, you're going to hurt them along the way if you didn't if, if you're holding that right. back from them um, so so communicating those ways inappropriate ways that are going to be really helpful for students so communication is really really important I think the second part is I think we forget that in the midst of change people are in that place of loss and we have to grieve um, we really do have to help our students um, grieve we have to help our staff grieve right? Like we're working with adults who are partners, who are friends with these other leaders who are leaving for multiple reasons, right? Whether they got transferred out of the military or they found a new job or they're going back to college or they just need to stop doing ministry because there's some stresses in their life and they've got to, you know, whatever the reason is, we are losing a partner. We're losing a friend in that ministry. And so we've got to figure out ways to grieve well. And I don't think we spend enough time doing that. We don't give enough space to do that whether that's in our meetings or otherwise, right? Things that I've found that the tips around grieving, you know, you know, you get four, you know, four um, 
leadership meetings um, away from a moment where a, per a person leaves. Say they leave in January, right, and everybody's sad. Well, and you're, you're in April. When did you tell the last story about that leader who left, right? It's like, oh, man, this would have been a great moment for John um, to be here, right? Because, you know, John bring, brought that stuff. I really miss John. Like, it, it gives us that freedom to kind of go, oh, yeah, I'm missing that too. But God's continuing to move in us, right? Like, those are those things that we need to do. So we've got to grieve well. We've got to grieve for our students and create those moments of grief for them. Um, you know, I've been a part of really hard leavings um, and and really just great ones. Um, uh, one in particular, I had a, had a staff member who was like, "Hey, I'm going to a different church." Um, you know, and I was like, "Awesome, let's 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 do this." Well, we did a great job of prepping our students, celebrating that leader. Uh, two weeks before he left, he said the job fell through. What what what's going? What can we do here? And I said, well, I haven't hired anyone. What are you What are you saying? He said, can I come back? I said, are you coming back to leave again? And he said, yeah. And I said, absolutely. There's something about being able to do something that normally you wouldn't do, right? Like, come back. These kids love you. This is a community for you. And if we're actually going to live that out, yeah, come back. And we'll go through this process again. Kids wow. were so excited that he came back. Six months later, he was gone. But they were able to walk with him in that space and know like while he was there, he was for them and with them, right? He didn't just come back and go, oh, I lost my job and now I'm just listless in the same community, not going to the church because it would be weird. Like that's just mm -hmm. like, we've got to start thinking beyond these moments that we create. So in some ways, the grieving has to come alongside of celebrating, right? So first, you got to communicate. Second, you got to grieve and you've got to celebrate both in, in line and you've got to think outside the box, right? You've got to think outside the box in ways to do that. And then the last part is you've got to thank people. So it doesn't feel like, oh, you're thanking me on the way out the door, right? If you're not thanking them along the way, then thanking them on the way out the door is going to feel like, oh, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to feel not good. Inauthentic, yeah. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's not healthy, right? It's not healthy for our staff or leaders who are, who are sitting there. It's like, oh, you know, I'll get the Starbucks card when I walk out the door. No, when you thank them, it should be a process that you've already been through. Um, and so I think those three things for me um, rise to the top of the list of things that you've got to have always in your head about when people are transitioning. Because guess what? Someone in your ministry right now is thinking about transitioning. Um, and you've got to help them do that. And that's why we care for people before we care for what they do for us. Right? That That's the whole setup for it all. That's so good. Um... I'm really so moved by you talking about the importance of walking our students or our young people through grieving well. Um, I think that's something that I, you know, in this whole season of coronavirus and COVID, and there's so many, you know, things to grieve and so many losses. And that's something that I've been trying to be very intentional about, you know, just sort of sitting in it, sitting in the fact that, hey, this stinks. And, you know, there's certain aspects. And so I think that um, allowing like the opportunity to, to allow your students to do that with volunteers who are leaving or just staff or whoever that are leaving and even in the hey I'm gonna stay and I'm we're probably gonna go through this in six months I mean even that I think it's so important because it's real life like it's just a life and if we're not preparing our students for just real life you know <laughs> then what are you know right. so I think that that's so rich right. so rich um, okay so what is something really practical I could do this week to partner with my current volunteers.
Uh, in COVID, you better be writing letters. Um, it's super easy. Like hand, yeah, handwritten, handwritten letters. letters. Like yeah, I've gone good. back to that, um, uh, and I've encouraged my staff to go back to that. Um, uh, I think we uh, we landed on a glorious mistake um, in in when we got into COVID, and we called everybody um, actually on the phone and you know talked to folks, um, and and those conversations were so helpful and healthy. So um, handwritten letters you could do this week, calls you could do this week. Um, one of the things I've invited our staff to do, because you can't do the normal, like, I'm going to go take you out to lunch, depending on people's uh, comfortability, right? I've been able to buy staff or volunteers lunch and say, hey, when it arrives, call me. I'd love to just grab lunch with you real quick, right? So those are those, those, are those moments that we can create um, that just continue to foster that community and that foster that care. You can do that, especially the idea about lunch. You get somebody lunch at their job, you know, that's going to be dropped off by you know uber or grubhub or whatever you know service that you use it's going to be dropped off at their job so that they while they're eating at their desk or whatever you got 15 minutes of a phone conversation or a zoom conversation if they want to if they want to engage it's something that's wholly different you don't even have to talk about ministry but just a moment just to spend with your volunteers um, to connect i think that's probably the biggest thing that i would encourage in this moment because people are missing they're just they're just being missed yesterday i was walking to a coffee shop that's near my house and uh uh, one of our one of our volunteers literally stopped her car because she saw me waiting for my and we had a good half hour conversation. She's like, I so just miss being with people. And I'm like, right. yes, you know, you, you, you do. So let's just slow down a little bit and connect with each other. So good. That's great advice. Um, OK. And can you give a final encouragement to youth leaders this week? Oh, my gosh. You guys are crushing it. Um, like, <laughs> like, look, our jobs changed immensely as soon as COVID hit. And I think you have to trust that God had this all in front of us and knew this was happening. Um, and forever, for however your ministry is doing, whether you're able to gather kids on, on any social platform, or you're not able to gather kids, and it's really hard. God is still at work. Please, please, please know that this is not the ministry that you created. This is not the ministry that you sustain. This is not the ministry that you have to hold on to forever. This is the God's ministry that, um, that he's called you into, um, that you are going to continue to walk in. And so continue to be faithful to what God's called you to. You're doing an amazing job. Continue to walk with your staff and volunteers and continue to, to care for your own self in this moment um, because these are the moments where um, as stressful as it has been and it continues to be with all the changes, um, make sure you're connecting with the Lord um, in ways that you haven't before. So good. Amazing. Thank you so much, so Chuck. Um, you offered some great nuggets of wisdom and encouragement, and we're so thankful. So thank you. Thank you, Kat. Appreciate the time. Is there anyone you know that you wish would volunteer with your with the youth group? I'd like my sister to get more involved with the youth because she'd make uh, like experiences enjoyable. She gets things done. And she's also a reliable person. Can you tell me about that? How is that important for young people to experience people that are reliable? Um, we know that if we ever have a problem or like something that we're going through, we can look up to them and ask them for advice. 
You said something interesting, like, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Yeah, how is that helpful if you kind of see a youth pastor, like, be vulnerable or, like, imperfect or... Well, I feel like a lot of people, including myself, I'm not exempt from this, don't want to, like, be wacky because we're like, well, what if I look stupid when I'm doing it? Take those thoughts and throw them away because we don't care if you look stupid. We look stupid, too. And it's all good like that's part of the fun hey everyone this is Erin and this is Kat wow Kat teens are so much fun goofiness and reliability are two big takeaways I took from listening to our teens and it's just so important to have both the authenticity of being yourself, letting go, and being vulnerable with them is what builds trust in relationship. And teens need that. <laughs> being yes. goofy with them is the best. <laughs> yes, I so agree. I loved when you or when they mentioned the goofiness part, not letting the worry of what other people think stop us from engaging. Right. That is so real, Kat. And speaking of engaging, Kat, that reminded me of uh, a story that Chuck shared in your interview together um, about engaging the community around him. He actually mentioned that he invited gang members to look out for the youth group kids. And that was so incredible to me because the, the importance of engaging the community around you, no matter what it looks like, is so powerful. So, so powerful. I I have friends that have told me about how they didn't want to go back to church anymore because someone in the church told them, oh, you're sagging your pants, pull your pants up, like stuff like that, where, you know, people don't feel authentic. They don't feel like they can be their, their authentic selves right. and they don't feel engaged just from the second that they walk in the door. So like you also mentioned the holistic vision of place, mm -hmm. people and community, man, that is so important. And Chuck, talked about how he told the gang members like listen I need for you to look after these kids because <laughs> it's right. not just up to us it's up to the community we're in this together um so that was so powerful yeah I love that he shared that about the gang members I thought that was so interesting mm -hmm. and it really had me thinking about the idea of life and how our faith and how it just involves interconnectedness right. we don't exist outside of our social location our communities our races our ethnicities our genders right. and uh, we must have a holistic view of ministry in that sense right, right. Uh, like he mentioned Jesus also did this and I think that that's mm. just a grander vision of what we should be engaging in uh, and you know, it's sort of like this this vision of we're all in this together, like you said, and like how Chuck said. And so I think that's so important. Right. Oh, so much power in that conversation. I still have the chills just listening to you talk <laughs> and I'm hearing Chuck in my brain. And <laughs> and also he talked about thanking people uh, the whole way through, not just when they leave, but the importance of caring for people before you care about what they do for you. Woo! Mm -hmm. Dropping yes. the mic. Not really, but <laughs> so important. Yes, thanking people is so important. Erin, do you have any stories related to that in your life? You know, Kat, that's a good question. Um, I think as a leader and volunteer, a youth group leader that I've been in volunteer, um, I think a really nice personal touch, if you have the ability um, as a youth pastor, is to, and it's, it's unfortunate right now that we're not able to be in person, <laughs> you know, and, and kind right. of thank people in those ways. 
But I think that it would be really nice maybe to have your youth leaders over in your home and, you know, you cook for them. You know, table fellowship is so important. But when you invite someone into your home, you know, that that connection is so uh, sweet and important and to have them in your space Mm -hmm. and to really have that thank you through food. Like I made this for you, (laughs) you know, I made Mm -hmm. this for you and I want to truly show you how much I care and how much I appreciate all that you've done. Yeah. I remember one of my, when I first started at Young Life, the pastor that I was working with um, immediately, like the first week invited us over and Mm -hmm. had a whole dinner for us. And yeah, that was really special. I think that personal connection, like you said, is key for sure. And I know COVID, you know, obviously makes those things difficult right now. Um, But I loved what Chuck shared about thank you notes and actually, you know, snail mail, like hand pen paper. That's definitely super special right now in a season, especially in the season that we're in. It's the little things, right? You just want to know you're being thought of and Mm. someone's being intentional, that intentionality with you. And Mm that what you do matters. Yeah, just such good stuff. Such good stuff. I love this conversation. And with that, I want to encourage those listening to continue being authentic in the wholeness of who we are. We are all participants of God's grand kingdom in all its diversities and yes, its complexities. Oh, so beautifully said, Kat. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. Um, If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe. Yes, and leave a review and share our podcast with others. Yes, we have created a free PDF download with some of the ideas from today's episode. You can find it on the show notes page for the episode at fulleryouthinstitute.org slash podcast, as well as more information about volunteers. Hi friends, this is Rosalind. Join us next time for a conversation with Jennifer Guerra-Aldana about intercultural ministry. Intercultural ministry for me, it's this interconnectedness that does not allow me to look away, to not care, to not ask questions. Thanks to Kat Armas and Aaron Samuel for hosting this week's episode. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Teens Natalie, Tanya, Edgar, William, and Charlotte. Chuck Hunt for being our guest. Appreciate the time. And last but not least... Thank you for listening. And now, here's a peek behind the scenes. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm like, I can't think of a single thing. Oh my God, my first time in Young Life, like that first. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I was just going to say, cat. Because <laughs> it literally came to me as I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> Look at God coming through with a word and a story. <laughs>